Piling Pay Dirt Podcast with Scott Lasher. Hello and welcome back. The second iteration of Big Noon Saturday is approaching. We've got a slate of games to absolutely be excited for. I'm going to talk about three of them. They're on different time slots. We've got one that starts at 12, one that starts at 3.30, and one that starts at 7 o'clock. I'm going to provide a preview of each of those games and some betting locks for them. The first game I want to talk about is going to start at noon. It's the Colorado Buffaloes versus the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Now, the Colorado Buffaloes absolutely shocked the world last week. And if you're sick of hearing about them, I don't blame you. But you can't deny that this is definitely a game that has to be covered. It's being bet on more than 14 of the 16 NFL games being played this week. It has garnered so much fan attention, and rightfully so. Like I said, they shocked the world last week. They beat number 17 TCU in Fort Worth. So, I mean, they're riding a high like no other. The total for this game is sitting at 58.5 points. Nebraska had a different experience last week. They're coming off a tough tough loss against Minnesota. It was a defensive battle. They lost 13-10. They now travel to Boulder to play the hottest team. And they want to bounce back quick because the Matt Rule era did not get off to a good start. And they need to get it back on track before it's too late. We're going to dive into this matchup. Break down the most important things to consider while betting on this game. And to start, I think it's only fair that we lead off with points about the Colorado Buffaloes. This is the first home game for the Buffaloes and Coach Prime. There's no doubt the stands are going to be packed in a way we've never seen at Boulder. I mean, probably ever. Um, I mean, there is so much hype surrounding this team right now. The crowd is going to be electric. It's going to be bursting at the seams as far as the capacity goes. The confidence of this team has to be in outer space right now. They're going to be tasked with controlling that, of course, to make sure to not overlook this opponent. But, I mean, how could you not be confident after last week's performance? With all the talk about the Buffaloes over the last week, I feel like I'm kind of presenting common knowledge at this point, but Shadir Sanders and wide receiver and cornerback Travis Hunter are phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Shadur went bombs away against the TCU defense for 510 yards and four passing touchdowns, which is a school record for Colorado. Travis Hunter was dominant on both sides of the ball. That's just something we don't see at this level. He went for over 100 yards receiving while he was on offense. He added three tackles, an interception, and a pass breakup while playing defense. He played over 100 snaps, showed no signs of fatigue. I mean, the guy was fresh in the post-game celebrations, man. He, he didn't get tired. I mean, it's just unbelievable. To put into perspective how big last week was for Colorado, they're now favored by three points in this game against Nebraska, but prior to last week's performance, they were seven-point underdogs coming into this game. Now, as much as Shadur and Travis were the most talked about after last week, you don't pass for 500-plus yards without a bunch of guys balling out. Jimmy Horn went for 11 catches and 177 yards. Xavier Weaver went six catches for 118 yards. And running back Dylan Edwards was five catches for 135 yards. I mean, you can't say anything more. I mean, it was just an offensive explosion. But what about the defense? They allowed 42 points and 6.8 yards per play against TCU. Now, TCU is a formidable opponent, but that is not good. They have to be better. I mean, the offense isn't going to put up 500 yards passing and 40 points every game, are they? (laughs) 
I will say Nebraska looked like a much tougher defense than the one TCU had to offer, but their offense was stuck in the mud the whole game. Their QB made mistake after mistake. They looked bad. They really did. But with that being said, if they can eliminate the mistakes, they could exploit this Colorado defense, which I believe is, in fact, much weaker than the Minnesota defense the Huskers faced last week. Now, talking about the Cornhuskers more specifically, last week was disappointing to say the least. I mean, the first game of the Matt Rule era was highlighted by penalties, turnovers, and just other mistakes. Um, The quarterback, Jeff Sims, he had three interceptions that were absolute game killers, but at the same time, he did show flashes of a dynamic playmaker. If he can eliminate those mistakes, he could be really good. I mean... And the crazy thing is, is he actually has had a pretty mistake-free career. I think he's only thrown 10 interceptions in the last two seasons combined. So to throw three in week one, it's an outlier. Hopefully he can fix it for his sake, for the Huskers' sake. Now, obviously last week left a bad taste in Nebraska's mouth. I'm sure going up against an opponent that can do no wrong, everyone's talking about them, giving all the love to Colorado, that probably doesn't make it any sweeter. I mean, it's got to suck, to be honest, especially going to their stadium now and having to listen to their crowd. There's no doubt they want to go to Boulder and take care of business, and not just to make up for last week, but to shut everybody up that will not stop talking about Colorado. It starts with Jeff Sims, the quarterback. I mentioned he had three interceptions in last game, but besides that, 114 yards and a passing touchdown. He also led the team in rushing with 14 carries and 91 yards. The three interceptions just ruined a not bad stat line, though. But honestly, they were ugly, especially the one before the first half. It just, it was just so bad. I mean, I cringed when I saw it happen, and like that drive should have absolutely ended in points, if not a touchdown, a field goal, 100%. And it was just an ugly interception, um, not good. The bright side is, like I said, he actually does take care of the ball most of the time throughout his career. And yes, it was 10 interceptions in the last two seasons. So hopefully he can figure it out and not make so many mistakes this week. He is playing against a weaker defense, in my opinion. So we'll see what Jeff Sims can do. I think it starts with him for the Huskers offense. Um, As far as weapons for Sims, Alex Bullock, he's a 6'2 wide receiver. He leads that group for sure. He had three catches for 56 yards last week. That included the 34-yard touchdown catch. The run game, though, was where Nebraska shined. Between running back Gabe Irvin Jr., Gabe Irvin Jr., excuse me, and quarterback Jeff Sims, the team totaled 181 yards on 4.9 yards a carry. Irvin Jr. accounted for 55 of those yards. So they've got a good, strong offensive line, a good run game, dual-threat quarterback, They can get it done on the ground. Defensively, there's not much more you could ask for besides a shutout. I mean, they held Minnesota to three points for the first three quarters. They did end up giving up 10 in the final three minutes of the fourth quarter, but their offense did them no favors. I mean, there was just mistakes after mistakes. Penalties didn't help either, but you can't really blame the defensive unit. The defense held Minnesota to 55 yards rushing on 25 carries. That's only 2.2 yards a carry and 196 passing yards with 54.5% completion. That's only 4.5 yards per completion. So with that being said, if it wasn't obvious already, the key to this game is going to be whether or not the Nebraska's defense can stop the electric attack of the Colorado offense. 
They do not have the firepower to win in a shootout against Coach Prime's offense. They just don't. What they do have, though, is a solid running game behind a strong O-line. They have a quarterback who can make plays with his arms and his legs. So if they can keep control of the pace of this game and hold the Buffalo's scoring down, they may have a chance. With that being said, as much as the defense played great against Minnesota, that offensive attack is not even close to what the Buffaloes can throw at you. The only way the Colorado Buffaloes lose this game is if last week made them complacent and they rest on their laurels. But I trust Coach Prime to make sure that doesn't happen. So with all that being said, I am back in Colorado to cover minus three. I have seen the line at minus three and a half. I've seen the line at minus two and a half. Take any of them. They're going to cover. I also like Xavier Weaver over 68 and a half receiving yards. He does have the lowest yard total between the big three receivers on this team. But I think Travis Hunter did plenty to garner a bunch of attention from the defense. And also, Weaver was able to get 118 yards on only six catches last week. So I think he'll have a big day. Feel free to parlay the prop with the spread or keep them separate. Whatever one you want to do, this game is going to be great. Enjoy your big noon Saturday. I know I will. And now. The Green Wave hosts Ole Miss. Okay, the next game I want to talk about is between ranked opponents. That kicks off at 3.30 Eastern. It's between the number 24 ranked Tulane Green Wave and the number 20 ranked Ole Miss Rebels. The Rebels come into this game as 7-point favorites, and the total is set at 66.5. Both teams are coming off Week 1 wins. Ole Miss thumped Mercer 73-7, and Tulane beat South Alabama 37-17. At first glance, you might think the obvious choice here is Ole Miss, given they're ranked higher, they come from the SEC, and Tulane isn't even a Power 5 school. But there's definitely more to it than that. We'll get into it. As always, I'll provide a couple betting picks at the end. Let's get into it. Um, talking about Ole Miss first. 2022 season finished with four straight losses. Five losses in their last six games. It was a disappointing end to a season that had much higher hopes. And, I mean, they just want to bounce back and leave that in the rear view at this point. There's nothing much else you can do after a season like that. Uh, they started this season off with a bang, though, albeit against Mercer. But 73 points is wild against anybody. I mean, that's just crazy. Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin's offenses are known for being high-powered. He runs the spread offense, and it can be electric. We saw that last week. Of course, they do have a much tougher opponent in Tulane. But Ole Miss quarterback Jackson Dart is dangerous. He completed 62.4% of his passes for just under 3,000 yards last season with 20 touchdowns to 11 picks, and he also tacked on 614 rushing yards and a score on the ground last season. The connection with his weapons looked good in Week 1. Trey Harris caught six passes for 133 yards and four touchdowns. Jordan Watkins went for six catches, 111 yards last week. The question for this offense is, can it perform anywhere close to that level when it's not playing Mercer? And also, they do have to run the ball better. I mean, the O-line has to generate a better push. The running backs have to find some space. Running back Quinshawn Judkins rushed for only 60 yards. He did score twice, but we're talking about a running back that led the SEC in rushing last season going up against an FCS defense. It's got to be better. Defensively, they looked good up front. They were able to make the offense work. They are able to make the O-line struggle. They generated pressure on the quarterback, 16 pressures in total. 
resulted in four sacks. Have an eye on outside linebacker Cedric Johnson to generate a lot of pressure this week against Tulane. The secondary was solid, only really allowing like short yardage, short passing game. The corners in particular did allow some short yardage completions, but nothing to be concerned about. Again, it's Mercer. Everything that can be said about the Rebels' performance last week has to be has to have an asterisk next to it. I mean, it was Mercer. But I think it's probably more so the case on the defensive side of the ball. They did not really get tested last week. There was nothing bad to say about them, but they didn't really get tested last week. Talking about Tulane now, this game is a chance to make a statement. This game is legitimately a chance to turn heads in the college football world to look at what Tulane can do. And although they're not a Power 5 school, they sure do play like one. They can handle being the smaller school. They beat USC in the Cotton Bowl last year. That capped off a season where they went 12-2. and They won the American Athletic Conference. Tulane's head coach, Willie Fritz, has turned around this program completely, and he's made it clear, tonight is a sellout. The Tulane crowd will be loud and proud. The green wave is going to be very powerful Saturday afternoon. And don't underestimate what a home crowd can do in college football. Last week was a solid start for Tulane. South Alabama's a good football team. Certainly much better than Mercer. Quarterback Michael Pratt threw for 294 yards and four touchdowns in the victory. His leading receiver was Jaquan Jackson, who caught three passes for 106 yards and two scores. Tulane ran the ball effectively as a team, going for 142 yards in total. Running back Makai Hughes led the team in rushing with 41 yards on eight carries. And I just have to make this very clear. Michael Pratt, their quarterback, he is good. He is a huge reason for Tulane's success. Last year, he threw for 3,000 yards with 37 touchdowns, only five interceptions. He also rushed for 478 more yards on top of that. Ole Miss has a new defensive coordinator in Mike Golding. They have six new starters on defense, so Pratt hopes to use his experience to cause this defense some problems early and often. Tulane's defense was solid last week. They only allowed 190 passing yards on 30 attempts. They held South Alabama rushing game to 2.3 yards per carry. They also added five sacks, but just like Ole Miss, last week's opponent was much weaker than this week's. I think the key point of emphasis for the defense this week will be limiting the running ability of the Rebels quarterback, Jackson Dart. Both teams are going to have to play their best football in order to win tonight. Ole Miss has to understand that the numbers they put up last week won't mean much if they can't move the ball against Tulane. Tulane has to understand the importance of this game without letting it rattle them. The Tulane defense and their ability to slow down the Ole Miss spread offense is going to be the deciding factor. This is a really hard pick. I'm going to have to back Tulane, though. I'm going to have to back Tulane at home with the points. Take Tulane plus 7. If you can find it at plus 7.5, even better. I think the Green Wave defense will rise to the occasion in front of their home crowd. I think they're going to limit the offensive attack just enough. Last week's massacre of Mercer did move this line from minus 3.5 to minus 7. I just don't buy it. I know 73 points is crazy. I mean, it is crazy. But I don't think it's worth four points against Tulane at home. As I said, if Tulane is going to cover, the defense is going to have to handle their business, and quarterback Michael Pratt is going to have to handle his business. So I'm backing Michael Pratt to have a big game. I'm betting over 35.5 rushing yards, over 230 passing yards for Michael Pratt. As always, 
Feel free to do any combination of those three picks. You can combine them all into a three-leg parlay. You can pick two of them. You can do them all separate. Whatever works best for you, that's what you can do. But regardless, this is going to be a great game. It'll bridge the gap perfectly to the 7 o'clock matchup where we are going to see Texas at Alabama. That's the next game I'm going to cover in this episode, and it is going to be a doozy. Probably the game of the day. All right. And now, Texas at Alabama. Okay, the last game I'm going to talk about is Texas at Alabama. Starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, Texas heads to Tuscaloosa to take on the Crimson Tide for this Week 2 matchup. It's going to be a good one, man. This matchup is against two ranked teams. Bama comes in ranked number three. Longhorns ranked number 10. This is probably the game of the week. Two historic programs fielding two high-powered teams going at it in week two. Bama does come in as seven and a half point favorites, and the total sits at 53 and a half points. Last year's matchup was a close one. It ended in a 20 to 19 Alabama victory. But a lot of people think it wouldn't have ended that way if Quinn Ewers, the star quarterback for the Longhorns, had not exited in the first quarter with an injury. This will be a chance for Bama to put a stop to that kind of talk, and this will be a chance for the Longhorns to make their case that they are, in fact, back. Jumping right in, talking about Alabama to start. Last week, the Crimson Tide took care of business against Middle Tennessee. They won 56-7. They face a much tougher opponent this week, of course, and one they are familiar with having played last season in that doozy of a game. A key for the Tide this year is can they figure out a way to stop Quinn Ewers? Without injuring him, of course. (laughs) Last year, before the injury took him out of the game, he was working the defense. He was absolutely working them. He was 9 of 12 for 134 yards passing. And I did mention he left in the first quarter. So he did that all in the first quarter. A key to stopping him is generating pressure. The tied front seven will have to knock around the Longhorn O-line, make Ewers uncomfortable. Keep an eye out for Dallas Turner to do just that. Offensively, Bama lost a lot of talent to the NFL draft, but, I mean, what else is new? Star quarterback Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs are both playing on Sundays now. Gibbs was actually the leading receiver in this game last season. The Tide will have to rely on this year's starting quarterback, Jalen Milroe to use his dual-threat ability to attack the Longhorn D. Bama still has plenty of weapons, though. Um, starting with Jermaine Burton, Ja'Cory Brooks, Isaiah Bond, and Kobe Prentice, they'll be looking for someone to step up in a big way this season, and it's going to be one of those guys. Defensively, this unit is loaded. Linebacker Chris Braswell will take over for Will Anderson, who's now in the NFL, Dallas Turner, who I mentioned before, will generate pressure on the quarterback. Deontay Lewis is the middle linebacker. And the secondary has a bunch of playmakers in Kool-Aid McKinstry, Trey Amos, Malachi Moore, and Jalen Key. Another point of emphasis for Alabama will be limiting penalties. It was a huge issue last season, but especially in this matchup a year ago. They committed 15 penalties for 100 yards. That is just not good. So, as much as Quinn Ewers got hurt last year... Think about how differently the game would have went without 15 penalties and 100 yards worth of penalties for the Tide. This year's game is, for both teams, going to be that rematch to finally put a nail in the coffin, decide who is better. This is going to be a great game. Talking about Texas, though, they're also coming off a win in Week 1. They beat rival Rice 37-10. to 
Quinn Ewers, their quarterback, he is great. He's a leader of this Longhorn team. He's the he's in the running for the Heisman Trophy. He has a lot of unfinished business against Alabama after last season. The run game for Texas is a question mark. It's something the Alabama defense will look to exploit, of course. The run game will have to do something, though, in order to slow down the Bama pass rush and give Quinn Ewers some time. If Texas can't run the ball and that front seven of the Crimson Tide can just pin their ears back and run at Ewers, it could be a long day for the Longhorn team. The offensive line also has to do a better job generating a push, though, to help that running game. It's a tall task when you're talking about going against Alabama. They always have those big hog mollies on the line, but they're going to have to. They're going to have to play a great game this week in order for the Longhorns to succeed. Ewers has weapons, and, I mean, he just makes things happen. But talking about his weapons, Xavier Worthy, his wide receiver, that's by far his favorite target, and that combination is dangerous. Has to keep DCs up all night. Tight end Jatavian Sanders also provides a mismatch at that position for Ewers. The biggest thing for Texas' defense, though, is to limit the Alabama run game. There's no question that the Alabama offensive line is big and strong. They're talented. They have a stable of running backs who can all hurt you. They have a dual-threat quarterback in Monroe. It's going to be a tough test for Texas, no question. But against Rice last week, the defense was phenomenal against the run. It only allowed 27 rushing yards on 25 attempts. The defense also created three turnovers, forcing a fumble and picking two passes off. But it's yet to be seen if they can do that against a team like Alabama. But if you hold any team to 27 rushing yards on 25 attempts, that's got to give you some hope that you can stop this Bama run attack. There's a bunch of talent defensively for Texas that makes all of this work. Jaron Thompson, Jade Barron, and Ryan Watts man a strong secondary for the Longhorns. Jalen Ford comes in at linebacker with 112 tackles from last season. And plenty of talent are around those guys. This unit's facing its first true test of the year. But after the outing they put out last week against the Owls, I think they're going to be confident. I think they're going to believe that they can do it. And we just have to see it happen. Now, with all that being said, I took a long time to make my picks for this game. It's going to be a great matchup, and it is very hard to predict. But... Let's be honest, when Alabama loses, America wins. So I'm back in Texas. Take the points, plus seven and a half. Book them to cover it. And also, Quinn Ewers, he's going to make a statement tomorrow. He's going to make up for last year. He's going to make his point for his Heisman's candidacy. And he's going to throw for at least 300 yards. He's going to throw for at least three touchdowns. So with that being said, on DraftKings... Book Quinn Ewers over one and a half touchdown passes and over 244 passing yards. Okay, this has been the Piling Pay Dirt Podcast. You can find the next week's episode at Piling Pay Dirt Podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever else you get your podcast. Have a great weekend and enjoy the game. Piling Pay Dirt Podcast. We'll be back on Friday for week three.